Welcome back to the episode of Burn Your Boats, very special episode, number 13, with my cousin Will Ford, the kingpin of all Um, he really was, he was quite the example for me. So after some technical difficulties, we have made it through. We moved to Mike channel number three and we're back in action. So welcome to The Long Game is what I am producing, the entrepreneurial podcast. Uh, I have my cousin and longtime homie friend brother, uh, Matt, here. Uh, what's the name of your podcast, sir? So it's called Burn Your Boats. Burn Your Boats. Burn Your Boats. Give me the, the background. So it's an expression. I don't uh, I don't know when it it made it into like today's world, but it's based on the idea that there was this guy who came over with the crew, um, exploring new land and they landed and it was cold and it was like super harsh winter. And everyone essentially was, they burned the boats. They, well, they were like, man, to stay warm. and that it was <laughs> right. You would think, but it was, they were like, fuck this. This isn't worth it. Like, let's go, let's go back home. And the captain of the crew was like, no, burn the boats, burn the boats. Like there's no, we're not, we're, we're taking away our safety net and the thing that we think that we can lean back on. So that way we can focus Have on exactly like there's one direction we're that's going. And so that's kind of the way that my, the show that I'm producing and, and hosting is, is going. It kind of started with a focus similar to yours on business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and really what I wanted to start with was, what are like kind of like the origin stories of everybody. So what risks did you see like were in your head when you made this transition from working for somebody else for, to working for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And because we, we create these narratives in our mind that either I'm not good enough or 
these problems are going to be too massive. I'm not going to be able to overcome this. And these are the fears. And so I really like to explore and see from the people that actually did it. Like what was the reality? Because obstacles were certainly there for anybody that chooses that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So what was the reality and the real obstacles that were there versus what you projected in your mind? And how did you overcome it? One, how did you take the step to get past those fears? Because that's a lot. It's, it's easy to sit back and allow a different person who is the owner of whatever business that you're working for, for to allow them to assume all the risk. Because if you have a certain set of skills, like I know how to work on cars. So if I am working on cars and I work for a private small dealership, like I actually did here in Omaha before I joined the army, um, if they went under, then that's not really a huge risk to me because I can just take my skill set and just walk yeah. somewhere else. Um, but for him, I mean, this is talking about millions and millions of dollars that are put into this business to keep it up and running, to make payroll, to well, keep I, the lights on. I think that's a whole discussion too about worker mentality when it comes to what a manager owner is worth. Yeah. In, in, in assuming the risk, it's not just about what they do or don't do. I, you know, the servicemen always produce the majority of the work in a service-based business, but at the end of the day, without the management, there's no clientele. There's no Absolutely. this, that, you know, so, uh, that's a big discussion too, but, um, to jump back real quick. Uh, so this is episode zero, zero, zero six for the long game. What number am I in your I believe number it set. is, or do you have 14. official numbers? So no, I actually, I actually just okay. went through and numbered because I was going through, you know, the final production, yes. uh, you know, editing and everything, and I was like, I need to number these, and because I was going back through, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what order did I do this in again? And uh, it was interesting because my my layout, the plan. And how it actually came into fruition were very different. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do this person and this person and this person. And essentially the only order that worked out the way that I planned was the first one. Right. <laughs> From there, everyone got all mixed up. And so I went back through and thank God for technology. It gave me the dates of when I did it. And it was like, oh, okay, this was March 13th. Yes, this was March absolutely. 17th. And I was like, oh, thank God. That's I can actually number cool. these accurately. Uh, so this is 14. This 14, one, four. I'm a little sad. 13 is the number, but we'll, yeah. we'll live with it. We'll live with it. <laughs> 13 is the number. Man. 13 is the number. You know, I might, I, I'll just have to release this number 13. Do you it. Know, just, I, just I, flip I, them. Yeah. yeah make not? me number. Okay. We're on episode. So 13. This is 13. Sorry, whoever got knocked back. It's just, it's just formalities. I've been here <laughs> yeah. longer. Well, there was honestly, there was one that was an interview that I had. This was crazy. I was interviewing, uh, this gal. She owns a restaurant in, on the Harbor in Hilton Head Island. And, She's got like she's got her own side hustle on top of owning this restaurant and she's she went through a huge turnover of like three different managers simultaneously. And so she goes in and she's doing the manager work, she's doing server work while I'm doing the interview with her. So we're getting like knocks on the door. That's, that's some seriousness. It's it was cra- it was madness. And so she cuts out at least two different times in the interview to go <laughs> run her business, right. you know, and it's a restaurant. So they're going to like 10 at night. Right. And this is like a Tuesday night for me. So I got, you know, army work first thing in the morning at six. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and she's, so she leaves. And one of the times that she leaves, she sends some other guy in, never met him before. And she, and he's like, so I hear that you have a podcast. And Christina <laughs> said that I should like be interviewed by you. And I was like, what do you do? And so he, he explained to me his business and everything. And it ended up being just like a 25 minute. Like, so, so you this, got like a second. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's fucking Yeah, like too. right in the middle of it. And that's kind of the way that a lot of these have gone. They've, they've just built on each other. Either 
the person I'm interviewing is like, like really enjoyed the interview. And so they push it out to their friends Mm -hmm. or people that are present and around during it kind of hear because a lot of my stuff is public. I don't have a studio yet. Right. And so, uh, I just literally, I did an interview at a coffee shop with, with this guy who has a podcast and he has a radio show and everything. And there was, you don't need to be in a studio. No, no. And this is just just convenient for me. No, this is amazing. But you don't know like how bad I want this. (laughs) I like, and I care for what you wish for. It's true. It's true. But I want to, you're tied down by this to some degree. That's true. You can be more, you can be mobile with it to some degree, but if you set it up mobile, that's a different experience. And I kind of like the idea of every time you're in a spot, it's like, I'm in Starbucks. I'm in here, wherever you go, you know, I'm over here. And the people are seeing the reality of yeah. those places too, you that's know, true. or no, and the you're lady where you're it. working at, yeah. you know, where she's working. Yeah. That's cool. You're at her, you know, it's just a different vibe, you know, absolutely. I love that. So to give a little background of what we're doing here, uh, my cousin hit me up on Facebook, um, a while ago, a month ago or something. He said, I'm coming into town. He used to live here. Um, he's been out serving the country in the army. Appreciate that. And, um, he said, Hey, I want to do a podcast. Um, I know you've been doing entrepreneurship forever. Let's can I do something? I said, well, funny that I'm doing a podcast. Let's do something unique. Let's do both of our podcasts at the same time because mine's really an open format. So I'll let you sort of ask, or we can talk, whatever. We can just shoot the shit. However it goes. That's what it typically turns into for my podcast. Anyway. Um, I mean, I have a little question sheet I go back to, but most of it is long-term entrepreneurs and I'm going through their history and getting into it. What are you doing and whatnot? So I just kind of want to shoot the shit for yeah. the next, you know, 45 minutes, hour with or whatever. You, 100%. And uh, see what comes of it. But, um, yeah, this uh, – so we're doing both at once. We're both – I'm going to produce this out here, and then we're both going to distribute it as the exact same episode, but two episodes in one. And I think that's fun and cool, and that's what we're going to do. So Yeah, I um, love it. So, yeah, you said, you know – like my, my normal questions, you know, I jump in. I'm just like, so – what made you take the leap? What got you so interested right. in it? Why did you start? I mean, mine was definitely my dad, you know, just mm-hmm. all, that's all he did. Right. And that's all he promoted. So my entire life I had one job, but I, I was never destined to work for anybody specifically. I work for a lot of people by yeah. way of my own business. Mm-hmm. You have to provide some service. You will have customers. You will work for them. No. And that's, that's, you know? that's a, uh, another misconception. There's two big misconceptions that I feel that people have about entrepreneurs is that, they get to write their own schedule, which is true to a certain extent, because you do have people everything. you work for, right? Yeah. Because you have to you have to supply value, you have to provide value to your customers, to your consumers, and so if you're completely writing your own schedule, in consider without consideration for your consumer base, like you're not going to keep your consumers. They want somebody who's consistent, who's actually there, providing them yep. with that value that they can count on. For sure. And so I've I've seen that so, with people in the military. They're like, I'm getting out. I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna I just I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna do whatever I want, whatever I want. And I'm like, well, there's a there's good, a, have you ever man. heard of the E Myth? What, mm, what it's is the that? entrepreneurial myth? It's a long standing book that's talked about that exactly. Um, I haven't read it. I read like the synopsis. One of my buddies mentions it all the time. Sure. But it's that you get out of business assuming that you're gonna get. Uh, more time and more money and more whatever through entrepreneurship. But the reality of it is, is that you end up with less actual time because now you're covering. I mean, people don't realize as an employee, you show up, you provide your one service, your exactly. one skill, exactly. you go home and you shut off typically at four or 5 PM or whatever it is. And you're done. You don't have to, no, most people aren't on call. Most cool. people aren't, you know, so at 4 PM they're done. See you later. The rest of the time is my life. When you're an entrepreneur, 
and that fucking email comes in. I mean, I accidentally was messaging him <laughs> a message for one of my guys out here. And I said, uh, I was bitching about something. I got to I see like, the. I got to see a little bit of behind the veil, like the struggles that happen for entrepreneurs. And I was like, "Yep, I, was, I get that." I'm complaining about something not going right, and it wasn't any client's fault or anybody's fault on my team. It was actually the system that we use. Yeah. There was some hiccup. It didn't invoice correctly. Whatever it was. So you know, it's just funny that 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 popped up. We we're about to have this yeah. podcast yeah. about entrepreneurship. It's perfect. I'm like fucking messaging. No, there's shit. there was an expression that I heard that I, I feel is is entirely true, and I think so. It goes. You can work – I work 100 hours a week for myself so that I don't have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else. Yes. And that seems to be pretty consistently true for anybody that is that is successfully doing their entrepreneur you know, lifestyle. And it's – I mean you can get to the point when you start outsourcing. And I know that's hard for a lot of people. There's a sense of control that you have, especially when you're starting something and it's branded and your name's on it. And you're like, at what point – Am I comfortable with, you know, adding these other entities in to alleviate some of the stuff that I have to do? Well, it's it's extra difficult when you have to do it from a creative standpoint. Yes. Like for what we do here at G13, and a lot of it's so creative-based and all of that piece, it's like the creative direction is everything for yeah. what we do in branding and the marketing stuff and the website builds. So, um, I mean, there's a, always the... Um, the point of diminishing return when you are too creative yep. and the, but to, to hand it off and to be able to do that, that's always the toughest part. And it's not so much that we're waiting on something to come back and, Oh, what's it going to be? Right. Um, it's that you are losing the time. If the person isn't delivering, it's not even about what they deliver. It's that I waited 24, 48, 72 yeah. hours for a first draft that maybe is terrible or right. whatever. And it, and typically it comes from not understanding what we, what we want, but it's super difficult to find consistent outsourced freelance work yes. that can fully jive. Cause and, and, and it's fair. I mean, as people graduate and move up through the ranks, you know, we hire plenty of juniors, designers and, and yeah. developers, but that always becomes a constant struggle. It'd be a lot easier for me to be like, Oh, you're going to pour some concrete for me. Yeah. Please. You know, and then if, you know, have you been doing it for 10 years? There's a good chance you know how to pour concrete, exactly. you know, but you don't know about, you know, on the international scene with the developments, development stuff. And I mean, you can vet them as good as you can. I mm -hmm. mean, we've done so many interviews where people are clearly like it's two people in the interview yeah. at whatever level it is. We can hear like typing and talking, but they're oh, talking about yeah. something else, but typing out other things. Like it's just, there's been so many funny things that it's like always questionable. So the outsourcing thing is very real, especially in a, in a space where you have to be creative. And time is always the killer. You know? No, and that's so. it. And that was, that was the thing that stands out to me. And I think it's the most, it is unquestionably the most valuable resource that any human has, no matter what you're doing. It's because the only actual one that you it, own. It is. Well, and it's, and it's the only one that's non-renewable. Like yeah. you can get, I any good entrepreneur, I swear, has climbed up the ranks and has fallen flat on their face and gone, and maybe not gone dead broke, but has, has had a venture that just didn't work you know and and failed and then serial so they, entrepreneurs for sure yeah 
there's guys who have definitely made a business. The, yeah, that, that business that's, that's didn't stray very far because it's about risk, right? Absolutely. How much, ri- how much risk are you taking? And then that's always the big gamble. I mean, entrepreneurs are just really fucking gamble addicts at the end of the day. <laughs> like, you know, but we're, we're, but, but it's something attitude. that we can control. Mm-hmm. I'm gambling on my life and wh- what I can, and I feel wholly in control of what I'm doing with it. And there's know? a weird balance, right? That I feel, um, that I don't have an answer for. I don't, I don't think there is one answer for it, but because, one of my like internally one of the things that i'm really good at is is like persistence and continuing to work at something uh and i think that that's required whenever you're you're diving into something new is like you got to be all in you know and, and all of your efforts got to go to that and if you're not if you're not doing that you can't expect big returns but at the same time it's like at what point do i acknowledge that this isn't working Right. So like persistence is huge, but you're walking a tightrope. Like, am I, am I driving myself into the dirt for a brand or for a business that just is, it's not going to work. It's not the right time. It's not the right location. And so it's like, you, I like to tell people, like, keep digging in and keep working hard. But at some point, and and you can't say like, at this point, you know, you've gone too far. So that's where the startup collaborative that I work with here in Omaha comes into play. They particularly for tech-based companies or companies that are trying to find a solution to a new problem is that the number one reason for failure in a business isn't people's persistence. It is no product market fit. And so whether it's wrong location, mm-hmm. um, you know, we work with a, or I shouldn't say work with, but connected with this large vape store chain here around the Midwest and they were prospecting a building of another guy that I know, and they asked me to come along. And instantly he came in and said, nope, this location sucks, and this would lose badly for a number of reasons, and I'll tell you why. One, two, three, four, and goes down the right. list because this dude has 120 stores. So Done him a he's, couple of he times. Goes, this is what I come sit outside of these stores for two to three days at a time, watch the foot traffic, look uh, at the people, watch the neighborhood. He's like, this ain't some shit you go fucking just – find some numbers off Google and think you put a spreadsheet together and know that you're going to know how the, the people react. Now, did he, he had to learn some of those. He took some lumps, I'm sure, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in letting some people do some things in some areas that he may have bet against himself. He's so sure now that sometimes he puts in guarantees for the store itself that it's going to make money because he's so certain about it, you know? So, yeah. um, or he'll buy the store from you yeah. <laughs> if it's not making money. Cause maybe you're not doing so. You know I mean? That's, no, that's, how, very that's true. how certain he is. Right. So it's not always about the persistence, too, as much as it is, is there a market? Because we've all seen a bunch of shitheads who have made a huge killing on a number of things that you look and you go, God, that dude had to have brought that up overnight because that problem just arose. It's not like he was aware of it four years ago and has been building the solution for it since, Mm -hmm. you know? So the product market fit thing is everything, and that's where the startup collab runs this, like, I don't know, 15 step processed everything from market research to questionnaires out to those companies. It's very real. That's amazing. And they offer you capital after you get through a certain phase, they'll oh, give okay. you money. And is they, it like a loan or it's a, it's an equity investment. Okay. Um, but we're so also they're taking part of your, they want part, yeah, they want but they have business. a lot of connections and they oh, have yeah. a lot of venture capitalists and other groups. Uh, I like mean, this is like, for, this is like for, it is, it's for, and it's for techs kind of specifically. Oh, okay. Um, they're not opposed to other brands and services, but the majority of what they serve right now is pretty much a lot of apps and okay. other stuff happening. But what they do is they then, um, they'll, if you give them a percentage, now they're much more vested in getting oh. you capital. So they're working sense. with like first national Cox communications. These people do big donations to help fund the whole thing. It's a nonprofit, but they are trying to make a successful tech scene out of, of Omaha and whatever. So it's super cool. 
I love working with them. Every time I get a ton of people that come to me and say, I got an idea, I got an idea. And the first thing I say is, startup collab because i used to like try to help people through it and yeah. it's a and it's a very it's a, it's a serious process i don't yeah. have the time to build everybody's dream and market fit i can help you build the brand the marketing the if the, the app if required websites mm-hmm. that kind of thing but uh i can't help you do that so um what we've been building with cinch too which is our uh team management leadership and product validation tool which we're gonna give to the startup collab as part of the whole process uh, does all that. It walks you through those pieces. You don't even technically need the startup collab anymore to walk through the pieces. Of course, you don't have any direct guidance. Nobody's right. there. You know, I mean, you could. Do you provide us. like coaching and mentoring We're services? We provide full blown team okay. leadership coaching, wow. um, the whole bit That's from, huge. from building out the product validation from the beginning to identifying team vision goals, lining all that shit up and then executing these big things that we call rocks on the highest level for leadership team management. And then it trickles down into processes that you develop if there is a repeatable one for that, or otherwise right. it's a one-off rock that you just get done. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a process management tool that allows you to build out all the processes. And then ultimately we have full blown communication, just like Slack or any other enterprise yeah. level uh, text, voice, video. Uh, and then what we're doing is this consolidated management of um file storage so it doesn't matter whether you have google drive dropbox or whatever you add it into cinch and it syncs in and nobody knows any difference but it's still just your dropbox right and so, if you so it's no it's it, no added uh nobody has permissions okay but you can share with anybody in the group with never knowing much you know whatever you just like hey share this with whoever now i see the file but i don't know that it's in dropbox i don't care i don't know i don't have to learn another interface or exactly anything. so That's everybody huge. can be across all these things and the same thing with calendars so we're doing this same thing with google cal and iCal. so we'll replace the likes of for some companies some mm-hmm. companies are, are disparate and they have intentional division of their divisions and what they do we're sh- shooting at smaller business not you know 100 percent and are you focused level. entirely locally no, this You're, okay. is 100% national. Although okay. we will give the software out to Omaha residents. I think we're going to do like a year. Oh, okay. So, like if oh, you're from Omaha as a fucking homie hook, you know, it's yeah. like you get it for a year for free. Um, well, then you get them hooked too. Yeah. Pay, you know what I mean? Yeah, pay a dollar now and, yeah. and uh, we'll give you an extra six months. Absolutely. Even. I don't care because I know that if this works, it works, you know. And we do. We've been through this whole startup process. We got investment for Cinch, uh, I don't know, like a year ago. Um, and, uh, they were like, we love what you're doing. Go validate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I had to go through the entire process without the startup collab and only until after I was done, which is great because now I I know I really know it, you know? Absolutely. And so I sit through a lot of the meetings with the, the younger, uh, people that are coming through and I'm like, just, we're just flying through it and it's great, you know? So I've got a couple different software people that have came through there now that we own 50% of one. We'll probably own 10, 20% of this other one, the staffing agency one. And, um, and we'll ultimately, uh, just keep doing that. And not, so I'm in with the collab and I tell them like, this is my goal. It's my mission to prevent people from fucking wasting their time and blowing mm-hmm. their entire nest egg on an idea that they thought was good. Cause that's your hypothesis of value. Yeah. And now you need to validate it Absolutely. with people that'll actually give you money. And if you can't get 10 people to commit to it some way, like very hardcore committal to the mm-hmm. purchase concept, you're not, you don't have a problem. Like, you know, like, so I love how the startup collab does it. They break it down nicely. We're going to integrate that into our solution where 
you can validate your product from the beginning and then roll right into the next pieces. So eventually we want to build everything from even marketing tools. We have like social media management tools we already right. built years ago um, that do scheduling and posting and, and radar that listen for mentions and all this oh, shit okay. that we built, right? So, but we're like, look, like let's take one step back. Let's keep that in the vault, you mm-hmm. know, and let's, I'm giving some real inside sentient. Yeah, no, here. truly. This is some real shit. You know? This is, yeah, this is incredibly um, important for anybody that's trying to start marketing their own, their yes. own stuff. And so um, we're going to pull that back and we're like, look, what we need is the core foundational pieces, which include a communication, file management. I, you know, I interviewed so many big, big boys that were running their whole company from the top down. And they're like, the disparate resources is killing me. You know, one guy having Google Drive, this guy having this. And so I was like, all right, we'll, you know, we'll build around that. And ultimately, it came down to people have no leadership management. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it by the cuff, which is amazing that they're successful in that way. But let's apply strategize leadership routine meeting management to this and not a stuffy formal cocksucker bureaucratic fucking meeting it's a get to the bottom of any issues that are not um being handled that these rocks are not getting done and why get the answer move on like no politics no bullshit are essential they're essential but they're also the bane Yes, of employees are. existence. Oh yeah, especially in so what it is is formalized timings, guaranteed start and stop yep. times. Doesn't matter, you know who's there. Only excuses by death, your death. You know, like and if you're not, at the, these are for leadership. Like you want to mm-hmm. run a big company, you want to do real things. This isn't, this isn't, you know, Susie seventeen who's fucking serving pizzas yep. at your front shit. Yeah, she yeah. missed the meeting. She missed the meeting. Whatever, catch her up on the exactly. the trickle down. This is making the big boy decision. So. You got to set up the vision. You got to first. You got to validate the product. You got to set up the vision. You got to align the team. You got to execute on these big key points, the rocks, and then you, and it trickles down into these processes. So we've built this entire process based management to building out companies and ultimately um, making sure your product's right and all that shit. So yeah. super stoked about finishing up. We've been working for a couple of years on it now. A couple of different development teams. We've been through some ups and downs with it, some ins and outs. The investor stuff was a hell of a ride already. Nothing bad came out of it, but you know, you go in one way assuming it's going to go this way and you come out the ass end of the beast and it's like you've you're completely it's not what you anticipated. That's, I just had this you conversation know. with somebody today. Plan, 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 plan and then actually yeah. go to war because yeah. there's there's no I mean the the in in the military we have an expression that goes something along the lines of, you know, you you have a plan and the plan goes to shit as soon as you make first contact as soon as the first bullet gets fired you know like you can have the best plan in the world and then when shit hits the fan it's like okay what do we do now yeah the real plan is when you've been down there and you've dealt with it you said okay that was the best way to handle that yeah you know and even then when's that gonna change yeah at some point and each scenario is a little bit different and so you could have procedures and and things that work generally yes you know but there's there's a certain um latitude that you need to have that that comes with experience that yes. comes with going through the fire and living through it it's uh it's very that's why it's important to have those people that have been it's it's so important to have that diversity of of skill set um when you have somebody that's been in a particular industry for a very long time like good like we can tap into that but how how narrow visioned are you like that's right. why fresh blood is so important and like drawing that balance mm-hmm. But I mean, you were talking about time and balance and for these new, you know, people that are starting their own thing. And, and like, that's part of what Cinch does, you know, how do you do that? Like how for you, cause what, what do you have going on right now? When you look across the spectrum of like the things that you are currently investing your time in, 
Like, what does a week look like? It's I do the same types of things just for a bunch of different stuff. You tap into your strengths and your weaknesses. You leverage out the people that are better at the other things than you. Yep. You know, I quit designing websites designing them fully myself from scratch a long time ago. Do I have a hand in the middle of a design process? Absolutely. It goes through a couple of people. It ends up at me. And then we say, boom, 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 boom. You know, cause no one's going to have your vision ever. They're going to have their vision. And then it, as it keeps going further away, it's like telephone. Yeah. Right. You know, so, absolutely. and, um, it was funny that you talked about how the general practices can work, the general procedures. So mm-hmm. we were talking about that big time, you know, Brian and I here, we're going over the process management for, just designing a website out, you know, and we were talking about how granular do you get in process management before it becomes micromanagement and or that the latitude that's required isn't there. So you can have a checkoff point that says, you know, design returned by company, but what does that mean? You know, like, yeah, we don't know yet, you know, so there's a lot of latitude in there for a lot of those things. So you have to be more open to the general proceduring and less that eliminates the micromanagement. You have to give some level of freedom, Absolutely. individuals doing this stuff. But for my week, I'm mostly taking a lot of phone calls, writing a lot of emails, and ultimately um, checking over projects. So it doesn't matter whether we're working with the staffing agency or the nail salon app that we own a part of or the, the medical cannabis initiative in Missouri. We're doing the same thing. So that's the marketing part, right? right? Yeah, so like absolutely. I go into this group and um, – I helped them set up the entire concept of the pitch for the medical thing, you know. So we built out the the, the pitch decks. We built out. I've done so much financial uh, forecasting for all these stuff. Like now, it's. I mean, I do the things that the average entrepreneur completely falls in their face at because they're not business minded, right? So I just do the things that have. I mean, I've been doing so many businesses for years that you know. I mean, my first three or four businesses were just like from the hip, you know, like yeah. just throwing money at it. What were those people? Um, well, it started out with G13 Studios. It moved to the actual studio studio. We were doing a label, so that would mm-hmm. be the second one. And then we opened a body shop up yeah. off 85th and Maple um, called Technique. And it's we were there for four years. The and variation, the widespread, you know, how how did you bounce oh, from Oh, and I was in a lawn other? service, and I invested into a lawn service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I was hands-off on the lawn service. But, okay. you know, we did some website stuff. But, you know, that agreement was written so shitty. There was no agreement, I don't even think. It was more like a shit and a handshake plus maybe some document of, like, how much money I had given or something. Yeah. Like, you know, because these were my homies, which, you know, it's yeah. always a bad idea. Young, Super bad. Young money. You got a little money fresh out of high school. You made your 100K mm-hmm. like I did, and you think you're going to do, you know, be careful out there because um, legal is real getting your lawyers to write up real contracts and having somebody to do due diligence to understand the implications of that contract more so than even just the legalities of it. Those two people are imperative to writing out contracts and shit and getting stuff moving correctly. So what ended up happening was, no, I got paid back in some, you know, I got paid back by lawn service or something, you know, for like six years or some shit. That wasn't the goal. (laughs) And somehow, you know, and eventually it was like, oh, and now you're just cut out of, the investment, like you don't own a portion of this or anything. So fuck your capital. And that's what you get when you don't write a deal. Yeah. You know, I was lucky I got what I got. Yeah, sure. At the end of the day, I could have got zero. You could have. Right. So I got lawn service for a long time. The funny part was, so one of my other good friends who owned another lawn service, we've been doing his marketing and stuff for a long time. And he and that guy actually merged. Um, so no harm, no foul. Cool. You know, they're, he's been a great client, you know. Um, I don't own a part of that company, but right. so we, I used to own a lawn service, um, uh, part of it, the body shop, the studio, the label, 
coming out of working with my dad on the marketing um advertising channel stuff from him and straight into g13 studios doing you know vernaculus's music mm-hmm. working with emphatic working with uh screaming for silence just all these hardcore rock bands it's hard rock bands from omaha um so within the g13 then there were so many arms of g13 because it's like where do you want to stop you know i i still show up and do vernacular shows you right know? and i own a you know majority of the royalties of the merch you know because we produce it all we house it all we hold it all we secure it we travel it we do all that you know they just get their royalty cut right so i'm always doing something yeah. right you know but um the day-to-day a lot of management sure. a lot of overviewing a lot of connecting the dots a lot of what we call big relationships so it's all the big calls going on the emails and ultimately just always re- working with these guys to rehone the priority because it's funny um, when you work in a design company, you know, you have so many overlapping projects. A creative manager can handle five, ten projects at a time. Yep. So the priority is easy once you process it correctly. And you can say, okay, this one is this and all the dependencies are built out. But when you don't have that, you get into a big clusterfuck of trying to bunny hop each project in yeah. priority for the moment rather than being like, okay, this this. Thing, this website got this much done therefore this piece got to go next you know versus just being like okay what is next so the biggest problem that most companies have going in and that this is why people's time is so wasted because the hard part isn't doing the work you know for the average guy who starts right. his business he's like i'm gonna go build i'm gonna go but even with your car experience like i'm gonna yeah. go start a mechanic shop sure. right um that's fine, but what about when you want to teach the twelve mechanics? Now, luckily, there's like the 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 software that does the flat rating, yes, right, and does those kind of things. So now yes. it's like, okay, now just follow the book and follow the instructions because there's an instruction for every car. Why yep. the car manufacturers or whoever that was, Chilton's or whoever builds the mm-hmm. books, I don't know who does like maybe the commercial books or something. Right. But each each but someone model knew that standard that operating procedures were required to yep. scale to have multiple mechanics in the shop without because fumble fucking around without a book on some shit taking off the wrong piece i remember time. i did one of these on a different model that's yeah. 10 years older and like yeah. i take this thing and they end up taking a bumper off to replace a headlight which exactly sometimes is required sometimes it's not yes and so if you spent and that's that is a beautiful thing about flat rate is that for anybody that doesn't know it's a type of commission that mechanics make that I lived by for many of yeah, years. Yeah, if you're a good mechanic, you love <laughs> you can, yeah, what you do you can, with that. Because, yeah, and, the, and it just depends. It's job to job, you know, yeah. because it's like so an oil change. I would never work for the hour. Oh I'd be like, gosh. you flat rate me or fuck off because yeah. I'm going to smash this shit out of the well, park. It's, well, there, there's that, but honestly, flat rate and the recession that hit in 2008 is what actually led to my military career. Because, so what happened? So I was working. I'd worked at Honda for a couple of years here locally. Um, I'm actually going to try to get Tom Wolf on the show oh, for yeah. episode like 15, 16, um, which will be very interesting. Just leave it at that if it's possible. But, um, so I left there and I went to go work with my brother up at Volkswagen. Yep. And so I'm working there as a mechanic, you know, doing really simple, basic stuff, uh, way under my skill level at the time. And, you know, getting paid much less than what my skills can, could be paid for, but whatever it's, it's paying the bills. And on a good week, I'm able to pull in, 80, 85 hours for working 40 to 50 yeah. because you're able to get the jobs done at a faster yeah. rate than what you're getting paid for, which is fantastic. So things were going great. It's fine, you know? And then when was it? This had to be, it was the end of 2008 
beginning of 2009 and cars just stopped showing up. And so I would I was sitting there for 20, 30 hours a week, not doing work, not getting paid. And so the dealership's fine. Like, because they're not paying you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're paying to get the lights on. And okay. So now, so now you learn that I need a base rate plus flat pay. Exactly. Exactly. I need a base rate guarantee. If I beat it, then give me my flat. Yeah, because I mean, at the end, I'm not going to sit around here for 30 hours a week. And that was the fucking thumb. Exactly. And not and not getting paid. And then if you leave, you're going to get fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like fucking extortion. almost. It really really is. So that's that's the crappy part. And so that's when I was like, I thanks to Dom, another cousin. Yes. Who's had crazy long hair and a big beard like me at the time. It's like, I'm going to join the army again for him. And I was like, dude, he was like, you should come with me. And I was like, have you seen me? Do you know what my life's about? It's not about that. And uh, that just kind of resonated in my head. And after like the the fourth, fifth, and sixth week of getting paid a couple hundred dollars, I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, I can't. Like, I can't live like this. No, that's not legit. And I knew in my heart of hearts that being a mechanic, if there were, it was like it was. It's just that. It's just working on cars. You know what I mean? Like, what what's the progression? Where where do you move up? How do you like, like okay, then you it only be... becomes either becoming like the manager or yeah. running your own shop, yeah, but I mean, I got a guy over here that he does all my stuff, he's been here forever, um he leads a very good life, no, and and, you know? and, and it's so, not to say so there's there's room for it, but yeah, yeah, but there is no like well it's 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 that's when it comes down to person to person because I won't disparage anybody like if you're the type of person that wants to go to work and you want to you want to work your 40 50 60 hours a week and Friday rolls around and you want to go grab your fishing rods and you want to go hit the lake and like that's what you want to do I mean by all yep. means but my show and my life isn't geared for you which is fine. Like I have a target audience <laughs> yeah, for and that's, sure. and that's not it. Entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. It's, like the people that have that burning desire inside that are predisposed to the idea of self ownership and, yeah. and progression. And I don't think that it needs. So to that's be. where the progression for that is as a mechanic, yeah. your next yeah. stage is to open up your own shop. Yeah. And, and if you're, is, if you're you know? so inclined. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's there. So, um, and, but my, my passion for working on cars, honestly, the only reason I ever went to work on cars was because of Pat because of my brother right. and he was like oh yeah i like cars and i was like i don't know what i'm doing like was, there's a school over here that teaches you how to do it let's go do that and so well, it was all just, those are important skills and stepping no and that, those are awesome well the know? what a beautiful I, mistake to make yeah because you, like the, the thing that i think about the way that i think about skills in college and degrees and and just your life as an adult in this world is for me the the degree I got an associate's degree to learn to work on cars, which I think is just hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I, no matter what, for the rest of my life, I have a skill set that cannot be removed. Like if all of the digital systems went belly up and my degrees got burned, at the end of the day, I can walk in and I could show you, like, look, I can talk you through it, and I can and I can demonstrate my ability to work on cars. I'm like, oh, okay. Like yeah, that's sure. it's not something that can and be removed. And it's not just uh, cars. It's Absolute, most things it's mechanical. Skills. Yeah, you know? that's plumbing. What be, you know, that's why you know yeah. HVAC. Yeah. Like I think it's it's a beautiful fallback. You know, if nothing no, else, good. Like it's you, always good to have a base skill set. Yeah. I would never deter any entrepreneur from not developing certain skill sets. You know, no matter what. And that was mine in design. I mean, yep. 
it came in designing websites and which turned into understanding that the website was just the flyer for the business, not truly business existence. When you were 13, all you had to do was build a website and put it up and be like, look, bitches, I got a website. What are you talking about? You know, look who we are. You know, now it's just another very simple form of marketing that exists. Absolutely. And it seems to be almost like the least important too. Well, depending on what you're doing. When it comes to marketing and if you're running ads and you're running Google ads and Facebook ads and shit, you're going to want to be directing people to specific landing pages that have what the, exactly what the fucking ad is about. Not just your (laughs) generic homepage until you're maybe retargeting them. And they're like, Oh yeah, that G13 studios company. Let me click on that again. Oh, look at their website. Look cool. And as they (laughs) scroll through or whatever. Um, so it's funny though, that we talk about the, um, you know, really, like, what's your? You said, "Where's where's the room for growth?" But really, I think the question is, is where's the end game? Yeah, of mechanics, right? So, unless you're going to go become an entrepreneur, you better be happy with serving the man, getting your flat rate, getting your eighty if you're lucky, exactly, and doing what you do. So, um, for me, the same thing happened even with design and websites. It was, what's the fucking end game here? I'm just mm-hmm. building these websites, building this stuff, doing these brands, and then we're just sitting there. So we first we realized we need to be more intricately involved with the team because they're not. They don't have a marketing team. They don't even have a fucking CMO, the majority of them. You know, they don't have anybody to even liaison what this really means, you know? So it's like, we need to be right in here. We almost need to be CMO, CTO for hire, right? Like, so that's what I'm doing. Like, that's brilliant. That, I mean, I, I don't call it that. No. You know, and I but don't, in, in but, they, but they get that. And the, the last yeah. one that I'm working with, that's what he, he was like, I need you as a CTO, like, and I need you to pr- pr- protect me from this development process. And you guys are legit. Like, let's do this on some level. So, it's CTO, CMO, basically. But really, it's with this new company, they named me president. I didn't even want it. I begged to not have it. <laughs> like, nope, I don't I want like, that please role. hire all different yep. people, please. You know, and they're like, just do it for now. You know, we're just, you're in here. You're making the votes. You got to go. So here I am later now, president, CMO, effectively CTO for all intents and purposes. I'm not IT. I'm not support. Right. But I'm CTO, quote unquote. And I'm like, I can't wait to be fired. Right. Like just leave me back to my, my gusto. I mean, because if you, if you start seven, eight, nine, whatever businesses I've started, you're going to know so many of these things, but where and what are you valuable at? And can someone else do that shit for you? Yep. So there's a cool chart that we use in the leadership training, which has four columns and, or sorry, it's a, it's just a square with a cross. It's like, like a cross. quadrant. Like yeah, a quadrant. Yeah, a quadrant. Yep. There you go. Um, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> quadrant. Um, and it's got what I'm great at and love what i'm good at and like what i'm good at and don't like what i don't like and i'm not good at and if anything falls in this bottom right that you don't like and you're not good at that fucking thing needs to be off your fucking table so fucking fast and then the next one's the next one yeah right until you're all 40 plus of your hours are hopefully just in the love and great yeah that's the strength that's interesting that's a strength it's a strength yeah. and passion combiner because like you're assessing what you're actually good at but also saying i like it it's not just what are you good at well i mean dude to be honest i'm good at damn near everything that i want to apply myself to i'm not good at everything right there's a lot of things i cannot do today but you give me fucking 30 days i don't give a fuck what we're talking about that's that's the entrepreneurial spirit yeah i mean it doesn't matter what it is i'm gonna learn the marketing i'm gonna learn the social media that's what led me down all this yeah building another company the e-sig company that we built that didn't do well you know, and ultimately it came down to marketing. We had a product, we branded, we had all this stuff. Yeah. And then our marketing budget wasn't there. And oh, it shit. was like, well, God, can't you turn a fucking mountain, to, you know, a mountain into a, or a molehill into a mountain? And I'm like, not without 
capital. Viral isn't a reality of backbone of your marketing. Like certain groups can create viral content and they're, they're better at it than others. But at the end of the day, you cannot like hope and pray on viral. That's something that you get even just for being around long enough and something just happens to catch once you have the right marketing team, the right moment in social consciousness. But you have to have the backing to have that persistence, that, that consistent effort in marketing. Yes. Like if for I don't t- have the funds to be able to do it. And now, I mean, you can tell when someone tries to make a viral video yeah. and they're promoting it and it's sponsored. And it's like, I get it. I get what you were trying to do. Yeah. But, you, but, you, but when you can see the skeleton, when you can see that yes. structure, it's like, and it's different too. Once you're, when you're in the game and, and once you're in, once you do marketing, and you're you understand a lot of the psychology that goes into it. There's there's a part of me like when I can see it and it's good, I'm almost more likely to just buy that out of respect for your game. Yes. Like, bro, yes. I have no interest in this product, but well done. That's funny. Like, well yes. done. Respect. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you wish you could just like tip them. A yeah, buck. exactly. Can I just tip them a buck. Yeah. for that. And they're, they're they've been working on that social media crypto tipping essentially, oh, so that you don't have to be forced to think about or buying but you can still support groups that's like brilliant but it has to be adopted by the, the networks that are in charge not yeah just by guys well, that and i just saw something that, that facebook is getting ready to push their own crypto their own personal facebook crypto by 2020 they're like doing or 2021 they're field testing it starting now well it makes sense my uncle theorized that everyone needed to have their own online platform with their own currency how does like, that so explain to me the the logic behind it because when i was thinking about it in my and I'm a, I'm a simple man Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, how does, cause I view it as, as money as currency. And well, so it's it a specific is. currency just within it's, Facebook. No, it's a, I'm sure it's blockchain backed. So right. what you have is the peer to peer, um, consolidation of record to, you know, have this bulletproof. What would um, you use the currency for? for everything? So like purchases that you're making outside of the app, but you're like selecting it through? No, not. I would say probably mostly through the app. So like what they're going to do is instead of having to trade US dollars, like because right now they have the payment features and shit and they're getting taxed like anybody else at some level right. for payment uh, processing. But under $100, they like let it for free. So they're eating costs there, oh, right? And I then, see. but then they're going, hey, if we just have people trade Facebook dollars, we don't have any costs to our network, right? And so Will can have a thousand Facebook dollars and then I can send it to Matt for zero cost. And then you can transition out on their exchange platform to hundred us dollars or maybe thousand or hundreds yeah, of currencies or whatever, whatever you know, right, whatever yeah. or whatever currencies they want to pair to, oh, yeah, to allow yeah, you to yeah. trade out for, depending on what kind of markets they're available to, what, what kind of money exchange rates they, sure. they may actually do some finagling to change it through some other, currencies first just to make a little bit more money off the top as it goes through currency trading yeah. you know so i mean there's a lot of financial implications to handling money and being a financial about, institution yeah i'm working a lot with that right now with the the medical thing because we have a compliance guy who's pushing we're doing processing and being a payment facilitator so i'm getting familiarized with a lot of these concepts mostly in the last two months but ultimately i was super into crypto and the basis of crypto is always about minimizing cost structure creating a bulletproof ledger that you know can't be compromised or ultimately um, adulterated and then being able to uh, essentially move large amounts of cash between people without it ever being cash on the upfront one of the biggest obstacles that i that from the outside but i'm sure they have many other goals with it too i'm i don't i haven't even read much about what their goals are sure just coming from a generic yeah because right now it just seems like most cryptos are used similar to like gold or any other type of investment a store of value right versus so like a bitcoin means of is, exchange bitcoin 
it yes and no so like i mean probably get fucking killed for this but drug dealers <laughs> not everybody knows drug dealers yeah. use bitcoin yeah a lot of them um because if bitcoin can trade for sixty eight hundred dollars then i only have to move sixty eight hundred less dollars per thing in, in the form of a bitcoin right. and i can move it around the world anonymously which is slowly becoming not a thing either as as each exchange requires you to divulge who you are and and, and right validate you, the trace the, because they're a financial institution and if they want to switch it into u.s dollars or any real currency because you can just play with the crypto side right and never get as it long as actual money it in the minute you go to real money the fiat currencies the real money yeah, um, what we've what we've accepted, accepted as, as a, well, it's the current exchange. standard of real yeah, money. Sure. Um, now you're playing with the bank's game, so now you have a whole new set of rules and what you're doing. So they um, they ultimately so a lot, the thing is that all of the a lot of people that are making the cryptos have they have good intentions. Now the the product validation isn't there on 99% of crypto right. companies. So there's one that I really liked, which I'm sure will come to fruition and it's called game credits. And it's a way to ultimately reduce because right now, like when you get a credit card processing merchant, like what we're going to do for these cannabis companies mm -hmm. in Missouri, um, and you want to have felt, uh, payments facilitated, it costs somewhere between 1.2 and three and in the high risk industries, like, CBD and, and, right. and medical, um, it's way up there, you know, and you can't even legally process actual credit cards for medical or recreational cannabis right now at all. And that was actually something with thinking about the cryptos and then, and then the marijuana industry and even CBD, uh, the problem, the only problem with all that, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, you're you're the only problem is that you can't do anything with it because you can't get enough people to actually adopt the methodology of getting the crypto in and out of the U S dollar to make it like effective right so like you want me to come in and pay via bitcoin therefore we have a cashless transaction that you can then go through your exchange and trade out your miraculous attainment of bitcoin <laughs> for cash but right. now you have to have me owning bitcoin otherwise it's just really me buying bitcoin and giving it to you and then you're doing that and there's still a there's that that trail is there right yeah so and when you have these bitcoin exchanges you're going to have to be verified by each one of those so I do nothing nefarious. I'm completely verified. Right. All I did was bought a bunch of crypto, and I've been holding on to it. Right, as it. as an investment, essentially. Long term, right? yeah. long speculative. I'm not mm -hmm. a day trader. Um, I don't try to run the rushes or you know do yeah. the 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 pump and dumps. I don't watch mm -hmm. any of that. I'm like, look, I invested into the ones which I'll be flat out. I had a little bit of Bitcoin. I got some Ethereum. I got some. Um, XLM, which is Stellar, which I think will compete with a lot of other payment processing. Actually, will compete with my main one, which is Ripple, XRP. Oh, okay. So um, I purchased all those for the reason of what they're doing and, and what they're doing with it. Payment facilitation with crypto is like the most valid and doesn't need to be proven because they're using archaic systems to do the same thing. So if we can implement... Um, like right now, all the banks use a, a system called SWIFT to do international yes. reconciliation. Yep. And it takes long, not long time, but it takes longer and it's much more costly. Ripple has been consolidating and reconciling these banks' uh, balance sheets for like years now. Um, a lot of foreign countries, the U.S. is, I don't think most of them are still SWIFT, right? But on an international scene, they're clearing probably hundreds of billions of dollars that they're reconciling and they're charging like one one hundredth the fees and shit, you know, and doing it in fucking 
light speed and they're like yeah. continuing to like cut down time which i mean we're talking like milliseconds i think at this point anyway that's beautiful so it's like what does it matter but i guess when you're batch processing hundreds of thousands of payments exactly. it, millisecond adds up to that's, be hours and hours and hours a exactly. day it's not like it all just smashes through yep. on a fucking hundred billion dollar ledger sheet you know so um i invested in the ones that had real purpose the game guys they they were like yo let's let's allow people to buy game credits and then the game credits could even be like a little bit discounted, you know, or whatever. And then you're able to like purchase things in the game. And now kids aren't using dollars. And it's like, well, what does it matter? Let the people like, cause steam has a wallet. You can like put money in and right. you can like buy shit. Like, so your parents can like throw 50 bucks in there and you got like this little bank, like on steam and you can like buy shit. So what's the difference between game credits and them? Ultimately steam loses less money by being able to trade out game credits for dollars. So as long as there's people continually trading dollars for game credits, they can trade those game credits back to the buyers of their own game for the U.S. dollars and not pay the same fees that we're paying on credit card. Uh, That's really what it is for most people is about getting away from credit card processing. Yeah, yeah. um, Because they are bloodsuckers. And they're literally taking essentially whatever the percentage is, that's equity of your company before your earnings and taxes and all that shit, before EBITDA. You know, so and they, they're not even after profit, not like a normal investor. Right. 3% off the fucking top. Yeah. Bro. You know, so that's well, fucking extortion. And really I'm so curious. It really is. And it's beautiful that, you know, a lot of the way that we're moving now is like technology and innovation are forcing the hand of these long held non institution. Yeah. The institutions that have never had competition. Right. You know, and so like they're forcing their hand. Like, okay, okay. What are you going to do? Because you don't want to lose it. Yeah. So what it's it's like the, you know the tit for tat, like the, the way that I relate this and thanks to the last decade, everything goes back into like the military in my head. Yeah. Like, but like what, what we did was, you know, we went into the middle East and we're like, Hey, we're going to roll these Humvees and we're going to go down these streets and we're going to, we're going to clear them. We're going to do these things. And then they're like, okay, well we're going to blow those up, you know, with a $50 bomb that I'm going to bury in the ground. And they did it. And we're like, Oh crap. We need to spend $20 million per Humvee in order to create the technology required to counteract this. Like, okay, well, we'll make a $250 bomb. And it's like, it's just hit for tat. I mean, we're, we're paying out the, out the ass for it. But, I mean, and so it's just back and forth. And so I'm curious to see if, if the credit card companies are able to, are, are they able to compete? Are they, are they going to innovate? I feel like once you get to a certain level, and it seems like even Facebook is doing this now is that you get to a very successful level. And then instead of being innovative and instead of being competitive, you go to regulation. Like, okay, how do we lobby the government to make it so that people can't mess with my program? Right. Like, so let's, let's stop. I mean, that's yeah. Institutionalization. Yeah. You know, the same thing. I mean, so with Facebook, um, they are so big that, you know, it's a wild, it's a behemoth. Like, it is. It's crazy, and it's kind of scary. Well, the the and they're trying. The I mean, they're is... trying to out Zuckerberg. The board's trying to out Zuckerberg. Oh, right really? Now. Okay. Um, but Zuckerberg That's... has is smart, and he he did what I did with Cinch, which is protect the vision of the company by overpowering your votes. I don't care um, who takes the money. Because I only need a very small piece of a very large pie to be very fat. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. So it's not about 90% ownership of equity, but right. it's certainly about 51 plus percent ownership of voting rights so that you can't kick me off my own board. Yep. And now the board could potentially vote me out of a position. But if I own 
because the the voting for the company decides the board mm-hmm. and then the board's vote decides this and depending on how many board seats he has which is probably only one but um <laughs> nobody can change the board yeah so there's investors who may or may not own board seats sure are speaking out being like we need to do this we need that. and the board's like okay no. Sounds well, good. You know, so it, you know, he's, he's smart. He protected himself and he's able to continue, which I appreciate. It's kind of, it's, it's great. And it's scary looking at it from an entrepreneur standpoint of like maintaining your vision for the company and stuff. It's really important. Like that's what happened with Steve jobs, right? He got like removed from the company yeah. and then like tricked them and sold them a fucking lemon. And like, Weren't you, didn't that same thing happen to Jack? Was it Jack Dorsey? The Twitter CEO? Did like, he get removed? Well, he's, he's still there. He's still there. He's there now, but I thought that he was, there was a time like a couple of years after they, they kicked off where he was removed and then they brought him back. Probably. Yeah. And I did never kept up on Twitter no, for whatever reason. I just, I honestly, I just heard about it with some, no, yeah, I've he, seen did, a, he did I've like seen an interview tour yeah. you know, recently. And yeah, so yeah. 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 Talking about that. all of the things that's, that's a whole nother. I did see that. Caboodle. Um, so with all of your ventures, I'm just curious. One of the, one of my, we talked about like, we kind of have our question list yeah. or whatever. And so I have like some of my go-tos. Absolutely. So one of the things I'm curious about, especially with somebody like you, that is you're so diverse, mm-hmm. you know, in what you do and you have so many things going on. The funny um, part is it's not right. No, no, no. no. You know, it's, it's taking that this one, like beautiful thing of value. I get to see diversity. Yeah. And, and you to provide it to into a many diverse groups. Group. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, but but my day to day is very similar. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Sure, it's like almost repetitious, you know. But in a yeah. in a really cool. And that's why you got to have enough things that you are doing that you enjoy. Yeah. No one wants to literally just be slamming the one cog yeah. on the fucking. And line that's and so day, that goes you know, exactly right? to my question: is at at the end of the day or at the end of your life when you look back, like how do you say that? How you know, I li- I lived with n- no regrets. And or like, how do you define success? Yeah, for how is success measured in yeah. the legacy for for you? Simply for me, it's about how many lives I impacted. Period. I think my martial arts instructor said it best. He said, "I want to make sure." And I think he actually gave a number, but it's kind of arbitrary. I think he said, "I want fifteen hundred people at my fucking funeral." Yeah, like that's how you know you changed people's lives. You know, he didn't even say like, "I want a hundred million dollars," or "I want a boat," and "I want all these things," and "I want an empire." That'll be success. He was like, "I want fifteen hundred people at my fucking funeral." Because that means you changed 10,000 lives. They just yeah. didn't show The rest of them just didn't show up. Right. Because you know, not everybody comes to funerals. Think, and, well, think about the, the level of impact you have to have to to get somebody to, to travel to go yes. to your funeral. And like, the older you get, the more disparate the yeah. people become. Oh, They're all, they, yeah. you know, they spread out and they're further away. They've got whole lives, children, things, and whatever. So I think for me, it's about just that simple basis of how many lives did I change. I have a... a a meme or whatever it is you want to call some motivational shit sure. on one of my, my Instagram or whatever. That's like, you can sell a million subscriptions, but can you change a million lives? And so that's where Cinch's mission isn't about creating a communications platform or this or that. It's about protecting small business and entrepreneurs and people that I've watched my entire life. My dad be a small business entrepreneur guy, you know, trying to get out the dirt, you know, himself. I mean, he had a very wealthy wealthy it's, it was the poor dad of rich dad poor dad if you've read that book yeah so his dad was poor dad always had money big balling you know 200k you know whatever it was even 100k back in the 60s a year sure. balling out of control yep but when it was all done and said nothing to his name he balled it all you know i mean whatever more power to you because you know what yeah. that gave my dad was the grit right yeah. had he been silver spooned who knows where i'd be and so i grew up with my dad in the dirt right like learning and so for me, how many people can we prevent 
from losing their nest egg, wasting their fucking time because time's the only fucking the real valuable asset. So my thing will come with how many people's lives did I change? And maybe we can measure that success by how many show up at my funeral or maybe we can it's, measure it's it by a, how many letters I get before I die. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, a, it's you an know, interesting but, metric to use to, to gauge that as success. It makes, it's it not, makes it's some not, sense. It yeah. does. It's not the only one, but I, I, it's neat. If nothing yeah. else, like it's, it's a pretty cool thing. But I think that that's a, like what, what better way to, it's as the like only your thing mission that statement. matters. Yeah. If you're going into business for money, you're fucked up. I, I, I couldn't should, agree more. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in the worst of ways. I just mean no. that it's going to be harder to sustain what you want to do. And with your vision not aligned there, it does almost be impossible for you to continue to maintain it for any it's, – it's, it's unsustainable. The, the paradigm of happiness involves doing things you love. Yeah. And so did I get to do the things I love? Did I change a bunch of lives? If I make money while doing it, awesome. I have never – you know, I focus on a bottom line. I make sure everybody gets to eat, right? But I'm not worried about what it costs me to continue to build. I just keep building, right? Yeah. I just know I got to keep building. And so, you know, how far can we get and how many lives can we change, you know? Because as I've gotten older, it's been less and less about me and being successful as it is about taking a team to the top because you can never get as far away yourself as you can with a team either. So that's really, that's about it. Yeah, but, and I think it's great. That's that's a it's a great outlook and a great way to to look at the life and especially if you are directly involved in so many entrepreneurs' lives, like modeling behavior is one of the most important things. So if people are seeing that as they're coming up and they're seeing that that's the way that you prioritize, and if there's one thing that anybody that's interested that's predisposed to the idea of of self determination and self ownership when it comes to their professional career, like model that behavior. You know what I mean? Like follow the passions and and don't undervalue yourself. No, just because you're wanting, you're helping people. doesn't mean give it away for free. No, you you're worth what you may have to in the beginning a little bit. You know, we do a lot of free stuff here. Sure. Um, you got to leverage it. You know, what's, what's the, it's always a value prop. What's it worth to you? How much does it bring back? Um, some people just get high on helping people. And if that's your game, like, and you want to volunteer all your time and do that, like, that you know your measure your moniker of success is completely potentially different than mine we both want to help people but you know how we get there and what we do you're not going to probably go do it through helping companies you're going to probably go you know peace corps or this or that or whatever you know nothing wrong with that i love it like i wish i had the the ability to drop what i do and be like i'm just going to go join peace corps for six months or a year (laughs) or two whatever you know but yeah at the end of the day um it all comes back to helping people. It doesn't because you're providing a service no matter what you do, even if it's a product. The product is a service by way of production of it, and then how you facilitate that. Like, I would Apple doesn't just produce products; they provide an entire experience, which includes service. Yeah, you know, and so that's why they win because it's the Apple experience more so than it is just an Apple product. If they're just another Chinese company hawking product from China, it'd be a lot different. You know, it wouldn't have the same roar as it does. But absolutely. So I had something else I was going to bring up. I know we're coming up close to the end of our hour here. Um, what are we running out of? We're running out of disk space or what? It may happen. I, <laughs> I thought we I thought we had like two three hours full runtime. Really? I thought we like overshot it by like a million. It was like this could never happen. <laughs> you know? I'm hoping right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. If not, we'll just cut it right then because that's what entrepreneurs do. You take it to the bone. There, you know? you, there it is. Um, any any other things? Any other questions that you had specifically, or anything that you want to ask, or is that your is that your closer? No, I mean that's that's typically how I wrap how I wrap it up, you For know, sure. and what I want to know. Um, so, I guess, well, let me ask you: What's your goals out of you know? I know you're still in the military. Yeah. So, I mean, I, what you know? Are you just 
are you ready to move to entrepreneurship? Or, I mean, when, so do, you, I'm when at a, do you get I'm out? At a crossroads. When do you get out of the military? Anyway? Yeah, I'm at a crossroads right now with that specifically because I have my contract right now ends in February of 21. And essentially at the rank that I've made it to now at this stage in the game and how long I've been in, the next time I have that conversation with the Army is it's no more contract. It's indefinite service. Right. And you can apply for retirement, which is like never denied at this time um, at 20 years. Right. And so it's do I go and, and with when I found the name that just finally sunk in for my show because I went through like seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I heard this from a friend and I was like, oh, there it is. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, how better do I live the meaning of my show and the thing that actually drives me that's my passion than burning my boat that is the military, you know? Because that is – I have my health care is taken care of for me and the kids. I have – I've been promoted on the enlisted side as fast as you humanly are capable of being promoted, and I feel like I've I've done it. And now I feel like I'm growing apart from it. And right. I, I love it. I would never trade it in a million years. I've done 10 years. By the time I'm done, it'll be 11, almost 12. And and so everyone, it's funny because everyone in the military looks at me like, you're crazy. You're halfway there to a pension. And in my head, I think, what has the Army done to my body so far in the first 10? Right. And what are they going to do in the last 10? And then also, if I'm good, if I could spend 10 years double and tripling down on myself. Uh, yeah, it's not even a question of what can provide more value. Yeah. And, and just, and just the, the state of happiness, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was a big part of it. Yeah. That's what I say. You know, the happiness is the biggest, that's the part of the emit that I want to always talk about is making sure that you're happy. That's the, it's the fucking teach it's the, yeah. the quadrant chart, you know? And it's, I mean? and it's super subjective and it's completely independent to each individual. Yes. Like just because I'm choosing this for my happiness doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Like there are people that work through 20, 30, they decide to stay in for 35, 40 years in the military. I'm like, good for you. Like I'm happy that you exist and that people like you exist. I feel the same way about kindergarten teachers. Like, yeah. I am oh, so yeah. happy that humans like you. Yeah, exist. I don't believe, yeah. I don't produce this podcast to try to commit to, to convince everybody on the yeah. planet to become oh, an entrepreneur. Sure. Fuck no. No. A lot of people are not built for it. No. You would not do well. It would be more stressful. You would not find happiness. And, you, and and they know that because they're, they're already doing the job. Yeah. If Gary Vee says it best, if you're not like a true bred entrepreneur, a true bred will at some moment understand and, and have complete disdain for showing up for the man, no matter how great or whatever. Now that's not to say I tell a lot of, I've talked, I've had a couple of interviews with some younger guys and I'm like, Hey, go work for somebody else. Yeah. You're not ready to be an entrepreneur. You don't have the capital. You don't have the, the skill set. You don't have this Go Become a number six, seven. I mean, if you can just weasel your way in and then yeah. figure some stuff out, I said, learn on their dime. You know, I had to learn on all my dime. Yeah. And, and while, did it make me tougher or this or that? I don't fucking know. But what it did do for sure was make me fucking poorer for a point of time, you know, <laughs> for a point of it's, time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then. Well, that's the thing. When we were talking about resources and, and what's what's renewable and what's not. And like you're going to go you can go up and down the financial ladder. And that's it's it's mobile. And money will make you think that you can fix problems with money or and I never thought I had. There was nothing like a lot of I see a lot of rich business guys, investors. They just assume they can 
do any business because they did a business and now they have money. Right. And it's like, no, I mean, there's different ins and outs. And there is there is basic concepts of running businesses that have to be upheld. Sure. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of ins and outs of every service in yeah. the different industries. And so money doesn't fix everything. It can fix it. can. It's an amplifier. Not oh, yeah. Fixer, it's it's know, completely but. amoral. And it's and it's. It is solely up to the individual and how they use it. If you, yes. it's like social media. Yeah, well, it's if like you can't anything. Handle, yeah, if you, you but, can be, turn anything into good or bad, you can. You know? And and if and, and and if you don't understand it, then you're not gonna do well with it. Because the way that I've always seen it is that it's just a matter of zeros, right? So if I'm making five thousand dollars a month and I'm do and I struggle with a five hundred dollar problem, like the same thing's gonna happen if I'm making. Fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars a month, and I'm going to have that five thousand dollar problem. Absolutely, you know, and, and that's how they come too. I mean, because when you want to make those kind of deals, you're going to be working at higher expense lows exactly. and higher everything. It's just yeah. zeros. Yep. So if you don't know how to say, handle it know, and manage it now, you know, your average person trips out about a hundred bucks. Donald Trump trips out about a hundred grand. Exactly. You know, he don't ever think about a hundred dollars. No. No, he could drop a drop out of his pocket and never even realize. Most of the richest guys can't. If they bend over to pick it up, they lost money. Yeah. They're better, well, also, off, you they're know better off doing the things that make them money. <laughs> but an interesting aspect, though, is so I listened to a series of interviews, and I think there's actually a book written about it by Chris Hogan. I'm I'm a huge advocate of Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you're familiar. He's I a I think I know who he is. Yeah, he's he's like a he's a financial uh, advisor kind of guy, and he's got his whole program. He's actually, got a TV but, show. I don't, he may, he may. I know he's got he's got a radio show where there's a couple hours. You're like, this motherfucker don't know who Dave Ramsey is. <laughs> yeah, bitch, I'm too busy making the money. Yeah, yeah. No, um, and it, it's good for people at the kind of at the bottom or that have have been financially illiterate. And he just talks about debt elimination. Okay. And uh, and and then focusing on it. But he's on a network, or he's just got his own podcast. I know, or? I know, he's got. He's I'm sure that it translates into a podcast. He probably has his own. Um, and he's got a radio show that okay. seems pretty I know the fucking name. Yeah. I just can't place yeah. the face in my brain. He's, just, he's got his whole baby step system, but it's just it's 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 really good and it's really good for um getting you to where you like just realizing what what money is and what it could do. But the the reason I bring him up is he brought him one show. I don't I haven't listened to him in years. But I think the last show I listened to, he was like, Listen, I only want millionaires to call me today. I only want the people that are net worth over a million dollars to call me. And and I'm going to talk to you And because I want the people who are not there, are people that are struggling with their debt and getting it under control. I want them to hear you and your story. And the stories were so counterintuitive to the way that it's perceived, perhaps, at least it was perceived by me, and I'm assuming by many people that have never had a million dollars, is that the these people are, you would think these people are pulling in high six figure salaries, if not making millions of dollars a year. And that's how they're millionaires. Like, no, like the, the first three people that called in were making like 125,000, mm-hmm. 200,000, maybe a year. And they had cars that were five, 10 years old. They had, uh, inv- they had just made simple investments from the time when they were in their early twenties. And they continued to, to load into those investments over time. Um, they live frugally. Like they didn't, uh, they didn't buy houses that were too big for their families. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything they did, they just, they made the decision consciously. Oh, so you mean practicality? Exactly. Not being Mike they're, Tyson they're like... buying a 64 room mansion <laughs> when you only, just you and your pigeons. Yeah. And your tiger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I, yeah, that, that it's always, it's always about that. You know, that's business. It's about being lean. You know, yeah. if you, you, that's the Bezos model. Keep putting it back in the company. Keep yeah. investing, stay consistent, stay hungry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I think that's part of it too. And just on the business side, you know, 
if you you can get fat and happy and complacent and then you start overly outsourcing your stuff and you know like and it's just about finding those ways to stay hungry and that's that's what i'm trying to work on personally is just making sure and that's how my show is continually uh kind of transitioning as i bring on more people and i talk to different people it's it's still there's a gear of a huge aspect of it of uh self-determination and entrepreneurship but a lot of it is just kind of like the principles and the way that you look at life and just the ways that entrepreneurs look at life is just it's really amazing and unique you know and i think there's a lot to gain from that um and the, but then there's other people who just like i'm i really want to look at relationships too mm-hmm. you know like what are like a long-term friendship you've had a good friend for this many years like what did that what did that take you know what have you been through and what forged that friendship uh and and things to that nature i just like the whole i we have a frame we build these narratives in our own minds of like who we are and what we're capable Mm -hmm. of and like oh well no one no one could ever love me you know to that point some people think that i'm like that's ludicrous you know like in this day and age and with the way that we're connected with people and and your reach it's that's out of this world and the same thing with business ownership or even even if you're not interested in, in being an entrepreneur or a business owner but you don't think that you could ever make management or you can make that next promotion at your business like where in your narrative have you limited yourself and you don't even realize it half the right. time like you're not you're you're that's not so, choosing it's such a weird thing to me i don't ever think about that like that and i exactly. almost like i'm like wait people are thinking like that yes like holy shit! It's know? great, and and you'll they you'll view obstacles as these permanent things that are there. I had this really funny, st- stupid story that happened to me that was like a perfect analogy for people in these situations. So, I didn't even know what the sprayer was on a sink, like what that's called that you can use a spray. It's called a sprayer. Right? I, I, so I looked it up. It's called a side sprayer. A side and I was like, sprayer. oh, a side sprayer. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going. I moved into this really shithole. Uh, like townhouse in in Hinesville, Georgia, <laughs> very low quality, but I, I knew what I was getting into and I, I needed cheap rent. Right. right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm living on a budget. And, uh, and so I'm there and I got, I'm doing some dishes, you know, day one and I go to grab the side sprayer and I, I have like three inches of pull and I'm like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, but in my head, I'm like, that's what this place gives me. You know right. what I mean? Like I'm in a shithole. They're going to give me three inches of hook of hose right now. <laughs> it's so, so I go through, I'm telling you, I go through this for like six months before I grab it one time and it just comes loose. And I was like, what? And then I actually open, I decide to open up the cabinet below and I look and there's the water nozzle it's that like turns it on. Nozzle. It's just looped around it. Yeah, yeah. Just, and so, yeah. And so, but it's this permanent, this quote unquote permanent obstacle that I've allowed to be a right. permanent obstacle. Cause just cause I, I didn't choose to look at it. I didn't choose to analyze it. And I was like, this is a thing that I have to deal with. I'm going to find a way to deal with it. I'm going to live through it and everything's going to be fine. But like, what happens if you actually stop accepting those obstacles in your personal life as like, this is a boulder in the river. That's not going anywhere. I wrote about that. It's, you know, I think the best way to put it, and this is how we could wrap it up is that you got to be willing to tinker. You got to be willing to get under the hood. I've never been afraid for whatever reason to just, and maybe that's because I was always on the the forefront of it and running my own business. So I was like, well, yeah. it's all, all on me. I don't give a fuck if I mess this up. Like, and I don't make a lot of decisions that aren't reversible um, without heavy, heavy analyzation. But, you know, 
we can do a lot of stuff on the internet world and marketing is reversible to some degree. You can right. remove, you can put stuff up, you can remove it. Now don't put it on Twitter. Don't put it on Facebook. <laughs> Those things are not, but yeah. Um, so you gotta be willing to tinker. You gotta be willing to get under the hood. Cause it's funny. I've had that happen with the, with the side sprayer thing. I don't know what house it was at. I can't remember or whatever, but I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm so happy. Shit? I'm not the only one. They had it actually like installed. I had to like unscrew it. Like whoever put it back in or right. did something like installed it. However, it was like, truly going through an area where it could never fucking come right up, you know but i was like what the fuck you know no way there's no way anybody only put this much fucking hose and that was here, that was the difference between even, your mentality and and even then i would have i would have went down to ace and bought a new hose yeah like immediately and like replaced yeah. it because you know that the problem can be fixed with with your with a little bit of attention yes. and your effort and that's i it. i just so that's that the same that's the thing entrepreneur mentality exactly willing to tinker yeah the next thing and i just read a, an article from bezos that'll sum that up great too if anybody wants to check that out it was about how the best entrepreneurs and the best billionaires and all these people that he knows they're the ones who are always willing to continue to change and model. And even if they have got a great system, they're willing to listen and switch and do things. It's never the guys who just created the institutionalized type thing right. and sat on it. Those always die. You, can't, you can't be married to Toys it. Toys R Us. Yeah. Those guys die because they didn't shift. You know, Blockbuster. Sears, blockbuster. You got to shift. You got to be willing to tinker. That's the entrepreneurial spirit mentality. And so... I wish we had another hour. I know, man. I mean, I think we could talk for another two. We could probably easily. Um, so we'll have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so, what's your schedule like going out though? You're gonna, you're gonna, you you have quite a bit of time away from some direct access to technology. And yeah, to I'll produce. be out of the loop for four months. I'll be back around okay. November uh, this year. And do you, so, do you plan on coming into Omaha anytime after you actually get back? So, it Maybe. will. Then I'm kind of hoping that the next time I come to Omaha, I'm coming back to Omaha. Okay. You know, and it, and it, so it, a lot of decisions have to be made. Okay. Cause, and it'll be because your contract comes up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so, and if that's if that's the case, and that's what I choose, I'm probably not coming out again. I may come out one time to scope right. out some like where I'm right, going right, to right, live. Right, right. Uh, if you do, you want to get it in. Yeah. We'll be no, right absolutely. You know, in worst case not, scenario, when dude, you come we'll, back for sure, we we'll, we'll do another one because yeah, I want to hear where your podcast is taking you. So, like what I mentioned. Uh, I, I, we had some fucking technical difficulties because mm-hmm. I haven't done a podcast in three months because one of the last guys got on and he had a, a big thing going on and now I'm knee deep in the middle of their stuff and president CMO and all this stuff. And so it's like, you don't know where the podcast takes you. So I'm curious to, no, it's, it's, to the, figure the it out. you've already had some shifts in mentality, even starting it and doing it. Well, the, know? the place so, is just the, the quick little last story. The, the crazy place that I just got taken was like a local fire that just happened like a mile away from where I lived. And a guy that I met while I was doing another interview hit me up and was like, Hey, this fire happened and nobody's covering it. And if you want to do, it was almost like an investigative journalist aspect right, approach. Right, right. And he was like, if you want to come out here and interview them and we could talk about them, the actual, the, their insurance adjuster is going to be out there. I tried talking to him. That was, to it was insurance like, adjuster? yeah. And that was, I didn't record. I was like, I'm not recording you. I had everything set up. I was like, I'm not recording you. I'm just, I'm here to talk to them. But like, I'm just, I tried to talk to him like a human talks to another human. And it was like worse than talking to a politician. Well, he's scared shitless. Oh of, my like, gosh. Any implication yep. from anything he might yep. say. Well, he saw the mic set up and oh, everything, yeah, he and he's like, like, "And he's like, I'm nope, not nope. saying a fucking word." <laughs> that was exactly it. That's that was exactly it. But it was just like that type of those type of opportunities I never would have imagined. And that's that's right. another thing that like when you're when you start taking action towards any goal, and in in your head you build up this like scenario. Again, it's more narrative. Like we all have an internal narrative. 
relationship that we're that we have you know that we use for ourselves that define us and so in my in my head my narrative is like i'm gonna be a podcaster i'm gonna be talking to these people i want to be able to touch these lives and it's very rare that things show up the way that you envision it and just like you had mentioned that earlier like you went into uh one of your ventures with a certain idea and you got shat out the other side it's never the same it's ne- it never turns out looking who the and, fuck are you what are you yeah. nostradamus of fucking business yeah. shut the fuck up yeah, show, Get in there and show grind up it. do the work and, and, it. and it'll and all tell itself be open yeah. be open to the different possibilities gotta pivot gotta change it's beautiful that's it loved it man thanks brother we'll get a couple photos here before we yeah, we'll, we'll uh we'll get the cams sure. we're all done there awesome so burn your boats episode 13 Long game, episode six. There it is. Excited to see what comes next. Loving this shit. Appreciate y'all. Love you. Appreciate you if you're listening. If you're not, fuck off.